Good morning. My name is Pastor Scott. A point of clarification, Aaron O'Hara, let me know that we do indeed have classes for uh, children in kindergarten, so they're free to head out and and, uh, have a good time with that programming. Well, grace and truth. Grace and truth, sometimes don't they seem like opposites? Because on one hand, you have truth, and truth says what's right. Truth says what's correct. In any matter under consideration, the truth speaks to reality and to fact, particularly to things that have to do with, with God and man and the relationship between the two or morality and religion. Truth speaks to what is excellent. It's a candor and an honesty of mind that's free from bias, from affection, from pretense, from falsehood, or from deceit. And truth is important because truth helps us see clearly. It's hard to make a good decision in life if you don't have the true facts in front of you. Because truth can lift the fog of emotions that sometimes cloud our decision-making center. It lifts that bias. Because if you don't have true information, it's really hard to plot a true course. Not having true information is like having a compass that doesn't point due north. Have you ever spent time around someone who, who just doesn't speak truth with you and you've asked them some questions and you want them to speak into your life and then it feels like they never shoot straight with you? You ever had that happen? Maybe you are one of those people. I don't know. That's okay too. But dealing with a person who doesn't speak truth to you is like looking in a mirror that distorts reality. Now, in the music world, we have something called monitors. These are my in-ear monitors. And monitors we pay good money for because we want monitors that accurately reflect reality. As musicians, we want a very flat frequency response so that it's not biased or exaggerating a high end or, or dropping out in the low end. And we pay good money for that. And it's important because if I'm mixing down a video and I've got little one-inch speakers on my laptop... What sounds great to me, I bring it in this room with these big subwoofers, and all of a sudden, there's this low-end rumble, and you're like, I didn't hear that before. So having monitors that accurately relay and, and, and portray truth is very important. But, but truth can be hard to receive. And sometimes we have people who tell us the truth even when we don't want to. And it's hard to receive because... Sometimes we just don't want to know that we're really being mean or that we're really being quite proud or that we're really being quite cruel. And if you're married, it plays out sometimes like this. And you guys, you've had this happen where you're getting ready in the morning and the wife looks in the mirror and she says, am I starting to look like my mother? So what's the right answer, guys? Is it the grace-filled answer? Is it the truth-filled answer? I like to embrace both and turn the question back around. Well, would you rather end up looking like your father? <laughs> you see, truth can be brutal because sometimes we really, we really don't want to know the truth. Sometimes it's easier just to be blind to the facts 
Now, I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Then we lived around a lot of Amish people were in that community. And then we moved out to Goshen, Indiana, and there was even more Amish people there. And you'd see these horses that were hooked up to these drawn carriages. And they wanted the horse to go in a straight line, and so they would put blinders on this horse because the reality of the rest of the world was too much for them to bear. And sometimes... It's easier just to put on the blinders. Have you ever been around someone who speaks truth just all the time without any regard to your feeling? I mean, maybe they're so direct. It's like, come on, cut me a break here. It can be difficult. Because truth can point out our flaws. And if we're really honest, especially about spiritual matters, we really may not want to know the truth. Sometimes it's easier, just like the horse, to put on blinders. But on the other side is grace. And grace says, I love you. Grace says, I accept you. Grace says, I don't condemn you. Grace are those affections which afford joy and pleasure and delight, sweetness and charm and loveliness. Grace is goodwill, it's loving kindness and it's favor. And grace looks upon someone in their time of need and is filled with compassion and affection for them and says, what resources do you need? I want to speak courage into you. It speaks forgiveness. It lavishes affection. And it sometimes tends to look past imperfections that are otherwise there. And grace says, I I love you and I don't condemn you. Now, we tend towards either of these two extremes, don't we? Some people are just full of grace. I was talking with a friend recently, and it's, uh, she has a sister of close age, and they hung out a lot together, and she said, you know, I was always known as the grace-filled person, and my sister was always known as the truth-filled person. We would approach the same situation, and I, and my sister had no problem speaking truth to someone and being honest and was very direct, uh, but sometimes she had a hard time being graceful, and well, I was the other way around. I had a hard time ever shooting straight, but I was quick to lavish grace. And this also plays out in marriage, too, because usually you have a parent that's full of grace and a parent that's full of truth, and kids are smart. They know how to leverage this to their benefit, don't they? So if they want permission to get a snack, play video games, who do they go to? They go to the grace-filled person. That would be my wife. But when they want to get one of their siblings in trouble... Who do they go to? They go to the truth-filled parent. That would be myself. And sometimes I wonder if we don't do the same. I mean, we're smart, too. We know that if we go to a certain boss or a certain supervisor over another one, one of them might be more full of truth. One of them might be more full of, of grace. Well, this guy, John, he wrote the gospel according to John. It's in the New Testament. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He grew to be an old man. And most of the rest of the, uh, the apostles and the people that were writing about Jesus, most of them were martyred, were beheaded, crucified. But John grew to be an old man. He was a survivor. And he had these people around him who would hear the stories of Jesus. And John would say, well, one day Jesus is going to come back. And, and they said, well, we believe you, John, but we're thinking that, that, um, that maybe that's not going to happen in your lifetime. So would you come And would you write this stuff down? So maybe 40 to 45 years after the events of Jesus, John writes down the story of Jesus. 
And in John chapter 1, he starts it out by saying, Jesus, Jesus is like a word. And this, this word spoke everything into being. And then John, trying to describe who Jesus was, because he had lived with Jesus, he saw him in action. He said, Jesus is like a painter who, who painted a picture, and it was full of people, and then he himself went and entered into the painting to love on and be with the, his creation. And it said that the people in the painting never recognized him as the creator, and they threw him out. They persecuted him. And then in the opening section of this incredible piece of literature in the Gospel of John, John wants to describe the kind of conflict that Jesus experienced with the people that he came to love on. And then he said this in John chapter 1, verse 14. Now the word became flesh and took up his residence amongst us. The word Jesus, he camped out with me and my friends, John said. And then he says, and, and we, and not like you and me or like all of mankind, but John and his friends saw the way that Jesus lived. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only. And then he says this, full to the brim of grace and truth. Now, we know what grace is. Grace says, I love you. And we know what truth is. Truth says, you're accountable. Truth says, you don't match up to the standard, but grace says, I love you, and I can, don't condemn you. And when John was looking at the person of Jesus, the best way that he could describe him was that Jesus was full of both grace and truth. He was full to the brim of grace and truth. Now, we tend towards one extreme or the other. So when I'm talking about other people, I tend towards grace. But when things are on my court then and they're talking about me, I, I, want, I want grace. But John is saying, look, I looked at the way that Jesus interacted with some very difficult conversations and very difficult people, and he brought the fullness to the brim of both grace and truth. And then, and then he says this, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace given. In other words, we've been given grace after grace after grace. So when it came to the pitcher of grace, Jesus poured it out to the full. And then he goes on to say this, for the law was given through Moses. Now, we've all seen the, the movie of Charlton Heston coming down off of Mount Sinai with these stone tablets. And that was the law, and it was a list of rules, all the thou shalt and thou shalt nots. This is how you make yourself clean. This is how you should work, how you shouldn't work, when you should go and do these things, when you shouldn't, how you should sacrifice. All of these rules, this was the law. And the book of Galatians shows us that the law was given to point us to Jesus because the reality is no one can ever be made righteous by following these rules because no one can ever do it all. And so the law points us to Jesus. 
So John says, for the law was given through Moses. And I can almost picture John stopping to say, how can I, how can I, how can I communicate Jesus? And then he says, but grace and truth came. Not grace and truth was given. The law was given, but grace and truth came. The word there is, is begotten or born through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth wasn't given. Grace and truth was, was born in the form of a, of a little baby. And it was the fullness of both grace and truth. And this little baby that the Magi came to celebrate and the angels and the shepherds all came to celebrate, they came to celebrate the fact that grace and truth came in fullness, that it was God in a body full of both grace and truth. And not the balance in between, because that's where you and I like to exist, but the embodiment of both. And, and that's part of what makes Jesus so hard to understand and comprehend. So part of what makes him so messy and apparently inconsistent and unfair because he would operate with people and then one time he would speak great grace and then in the next breath you'd hear him speak great truth all at the same time and it leaves you scratching your head. But in every conversation, every situation, Jesus brought the fullness of both grace and truth. One of those stories is this Samaritan woman who was at the well Now, Jesus was a Jew, he was a teacher, and he was a man. And by all three accounts, he should not have been interacting with this individual. But in his moment of great grace, we see this dialogue taking place. And Jesus comes in in a way that almost seems harsh, says, you've had five different husbands, and the man that you're with right now is not your husband. He's basically calling her out and calling her an adulterer. That seems awful harsh. It's not the kind of conversation you and I regularly have with other people. He came with great truth. But then later he says, look, lady, you come to this well day after day to find refreshment, to quench your thirst. And I'm telling you that you drink of me. I am the living water. And if you drink of me, you'll never be thirsty again. And he extends great grace to her. And then there's a story of a rich young man. The rich young man had put all of his worth And he put all of his trust in his resources. And he comes to Jesus and says, tell me what I can do to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus knows that he puts his trust in the wrong thing. And so Jesus says, well, then you need to give away everything and give it to the poor. And the man leaves defeated. That's a very truthful thing for Jesus to say, that you've been putting your trust in the wrong thing. And then everyone around is in wonder, and they say, well, who can then possibly enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, with man, it's impossible, which is the truth. But with God, all things are possible, which is grace. And then we have this wonderful story, perhaps the most famous of all, is the story of the woman that was caught in adultery. You see, the Pharisees and the rulers of that day didn't like Jesus very much, and so they wanted to catch him. So they brought this lady that they caught in adultery, and they said, Jesus, according to the law of Moses, she should be executed. She should be stoned. Now, Jesus could have equally said, well, according to the Roman law, you can't execute her at all. But he said, okay, let's play according to your rules. Let's play according to the law of Moses. According to the law of Moses, she should be executed. But I tell you what, the person who has never sinned, you throw the first stone. The person who has never looked lustfully at another person, you start. You pick it up. You start throwing. 
Because God's word shows us that even if you have a lustful thought, you're committing adultery in your heart. So he's saying, you Pharisees, the one who's never committed adultery in your heart, you start. And then all of a sudden, the law of Moses and the law of retribution starts to break down. And one by one, these Pharisees drop their stones and they walk away. And all that's left is this broken, battered woman in Jesus sitting in a room, sitting out in the street. And Jesus says, who else is left to condemn you? And she says, no one. Well, then neither do I condemn you. Now go, leave your life of sin. Whoa, 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 whoa. Which one is it? I, I don't condemn you or go leave your life of sin? Yes. It's both. Come, I mean, come on, Jesus. Did you really have to bring up this sin issue? Couldn't you have just doled out grace? Because this is how I love, Jesus said. I am the fullness of both grace and truth. He was full, lacking nothing, perfectly full, fully permeated with both grace and truth. And while we like to separate them out, he was full of both. And we lose something very beautiful when we try to go to one extreme or the other. Because when Jesus was interacting with these people, he brought all of it to bear. And it's not, a, it's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to embrace. And you want to know how Jesus loved? He called sin, sin. And then he paid for it. He died on the cross for it. And then having died on the cross, he says, now I don't condemn you. And he says, now go leave your life of sin. And if you don't, I love you. And if you can't, I love you. And if the woundedness and the shrapnel of your own sin puts you in a place where you never know if you're going to overcome it, I love you. And if someone else has sinned against you and it sent you into a spiral of self-destructive behavior, and you'll never know if you'll be able to fully recover from all of that, I love you. Because the truth is, you're a sinner, but, but grace is, you're not condemned. And no one will ever love you more than Jesus does. And it's important that we don't try to resolve this because we can tend towards one extreme as a church. You've got like all truth churches and you have all grace churches. There are all grace churches which, which say, doesn't matter what you do. We're not going to call out your sin. Everyone is one of God's children. And they love to quote that God is love out of 1 John 3. And indeed it's true. Scripture reveals to us that God is love. But they often go past 1 John 1, where it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Because the reality is, sin is like a sneeze. It feels good at the moment, but it leaves a big mess in the end. And sin has consequences, and it has causes that, that play out in your life. And one of them is that you're separated from a holy and just God, who is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Each and every person is a sinner and deserves eternal punishment. But we like to press the occasion to say, well, we just have to be good enough. The problem with good enough is you never know when good enough is good enough. And God's word shows us that each and every person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and that's the truth. 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the grace. And God took him who knew no sin, and that's truth, to be sin for you and me, that's grace, so that we might become the righteousness of God, that's grace upon grace upon grace. You need truth, and you need grace. And what we celebrate at Christmas is the fullness of both grace and truth being born in a little baby. And the fullness of that grace and truth is being bared upon us in such a way that we just cannot escape. So if you're a guest with us and you've never heard this story about how Jesus loves you, that he's willing to call out sin, sin, and willing to extend his free gift of no condemnation and forgiveness to you, today is the day to be reconciled. Today is the day to acknowledge the truth that you are a sinner, but accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. Because grace and truth, Jesus demonstrated it and Jesus offers it. So to those who call grace your home, who are disciples of Jesus, those who are Christians, we as Christ followers are at our best when we choose to embrace both grace and truth and refuse to let go of either of them. Because there was a time and there will be a time when we all individually, desperately needed massive doses of truth and massive doses of grace. And let's be the kind of body that when people who are far from God come into our midst, while they may not understand everything in this book or how to act as a Christian or all of the cultural things going on, when they see the way that we interact with one another and when we're willing to speak both truth, call sin a sin, and extend grace, they'll be drawn in and say, there's something about this place. These people love me, but they're not afraid to speak truth to me. So that when they come and be, they're a part of this body, they experience both grace and truth in amazing ways that will change their lives forever. Because of everything to be, blad, to be glad about at Christmas, it's not a manger scene, it's not the Christmas celebration, it's not the food, it's not the family, it's not snow outside. Of everything to be excited about. It's the fact that grace and truth came in the form of a little baby that would one day grow up to be a man that would extend it freely to you and me. That's the real reason to be merry. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for the person of Jesus. And I, and I got to confess that I like to glance over the stories of Jesus because it's so hard to understand how he interacted with people, and it's so hard to live into that. But Lord, may we be a church that chooses to embrace that tension and refuses to let go of either. Father, teach me as a, as a father, as a husband, as a disciple maker, to extend grace, to speak truth, to proclaim the love of Jesus Christ in such a way that balances that tension and that embraces that tension. Help us to be a, a congregation, a body of Christ, a group of friends that do that. It's not easy, but Holy Spirit, would you help us? God, and I pray that this morning for those that are in this room that maybe they thought that they just need to be good enough. That if their goods outweigh their bads, that somehow that, that they're right. Holy Spirit, would you speak to them in the way that only you can? And would you bring the fullness of grace and truth to bear on them in such a way that it just sticks in their mind and their hearts through the rest of this week and their souls are not at rest until they find their rest in you and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. We thank you for who you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus.